America, my name is Amir Frempong. I come to you live usually on Thursday. I'm going to do a quick show today on Tuesday because I just wanted to get this out about the red pill and the vices of virtue. And if you don't know, the red pill is just a discourse, a manosphere on, in the internet concerning whether there's something wrong about the way we talk about gender. The way we talk about gender is a little bit skewed with the assumption that women might um, are oppressed and might be victims and are always victims of oppression and can't themselves be oppressors. But it seems like it seems to be the case to people with eyes and like a mind for these kinds of issues that if we actually peel back the ideology, it seems that women are both oppressed and in some ways perpetrators of harm, just in non-obvious ways. And just like, and it might possibly be the case that men are perpetrators of harm and oppressed as men, right? So insofar as that discourse that the red pill engages in, I actually, I, 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 I'm both a participant and I believe that other people should participate in that kind of discourse because the way we think about gender needs to be considered as a historical artifact. Women are not women across the um, globe. They're not even women across entire zip codes because poor and working class women have markedly different understandings about what it is to be a woman than someone in the upper class in many parts of the United States. And the same with what's considered the entitlements of manhood. And the responsibilities of manhood are going to be is going to be markedly different depending on your class bearing. And in a place with a, a racialized past, it's going to be markedly different depending on whether you're in the in-group race or the out-group race. Right? I often put that um, clip about how in the South, in after World War One. Black women were forced to be work, were forced to go back to work because it turns out that black husbands, let's see if I have that clip with, with me. Turns out black husbands were being um, drafted in the war. And so black, um, black men could send their war money back home to the, they got uh, paid for, being, for serving the country. They could send the, home, the money back home to the family. So that means the wife didn't have to work. And at this point in time, you have to understand that 70% of the uh, black labor in the South was either domestic workers or farm workers. So pretty much that meant that their wife didn't have to work in a white home. And would you believe it that black women did not always like working in white homes. So they would come home and watch their own kids. And what happened in Greenville, South Carolina is that they, and a few other places, they passed an ordinance to um, put black women to work because white women couldn't be women <laughs> without black women working for them. So to be a black woman was to be forced to work outside of the home, whereas to be a white woman was, would be to like, you know, have a black woman work for you inside of the home. And so the idea of a universal womanhood has never been, has always been a little bit dubious. Is a, it, it, because we don't treat poor women the same as we treat uh, wealthy women. We don't treat... Um, dominant class, a dominant group, ethnicity women, the same as we treat outgroup women. So what it is to be a woman and same with what it is to be a man is, is, uh, is complicated. There is, um, you know, in Trouble in Mind, the Leon Litwack book, he talks about how black professionals in the Jim Crow South, you might be able to be called doctor, maybe even professor, but nobody would call you mister because as much as you were this professional identity, you couldn't be considered a man. Right? And then you think about the, the Memphis workers, the sanitation workers, who, after a trash compactor killed a Memphis sanitation worker in 68, they went out on March and the sign said, it's a pretty famous, um, it's a pretty famous uh, protest, 
you know, I am a man. So like the gender ideology has always been kind of looped into racial and class ideology. And it's a historical, um, it's a historical kind of process. So what it is to be a woman isn't something that's trans historical and it's not even the same in the same historical period and amongst different classes. It's often the way in which we, um, set up predatory relationships to legitimize uh, uh, some of our class and racial antagonisms. So for example, there's other research. Um, so let me just give you, you can look in Trouble in Mind if you want the Jim Crow story. You can just Google, I am a man, Memphis, if you want the sanitation workers story. And what else did I mention? Um, oh, Negro woman put to work. If you want the South Carolina ordinance, just Google those things. Just Google those things, and uh, every the receipts of what I'm talking about will show up. So yeah, we put. So what it is to be a woman, to be a black woman, was to be forced to work. What it is to be a white woman is to not be allowed to work outside of your house. And you have to think about there is no actual universal notion of womanhood, um, since that's the case, right? So and and but a lot of you know, upper-class feminists want to tell you that there is a universal notion of womanhood because they just kind of think that their understanding with their awful father and husband like can be universalized to all other women. And then you get upper-class women of other countries agreeing with that. So like, <laughs> or dominant class, uh, dominant ethnic women of other countries agreeing. So like, it's kind of feminism's easily captured. Let me just say that, right? So there's this idea that um, put off by, uh, kind of articulated by some red pill thinkers that we don't talk about the gender relations in an honest way. And somehow we paint women as sugar and spice and everything nice. And I think that's, that is a problem. And I think it's actually a historical problem. And, you know, because I study kind of decolonialism and race in America and race in general and in groups and out groups, it's actually a strategy. It's been a racial strategy because, and if you look at, um, What's her name book? Melissa Stein's book, uh, uh, Man, uh, Measuring Manhood. She talks about uh, how once black men were uh, emancipated through you know, the, the Civil War, we needed to find legitimate ways to control them. Right? So we need to call, we, they needed to become rapists. And then there's a letter from uh, uh, some uh some white doctor who was actually a fan of the, the 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 trend among the whites to advocate for castrating black black men and but by the way if you don't know ritual castration was part of the lynching process they they, they cut off your nuts and then they, they 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 hung you from a tree that was that was part of it so like it wasn't all it, it was never actually de degendered it was all there was always something kind of kinky about the way we attacked black men um, and so what this doctor said was, look, I never heard about black men raping white women or lusting after white women before the civil war. But now after the civil war, apparently it's an epidemic. So we must castrate them. That was the argument, right? So you have to understand that the black male rapist was a historical emergent entity that now existed for a reason. And now it gave the state a, a legitimate reason to, um, to control black male bodies. But in order to have 
uh, an eternal congenital uh, sexual predator, you needed a victim who could in no way want the sex. <laughs> uh, so they had to be like a, a, a victim, a, a, a pure victim. And that's why we have a very historical notion. That's one of the reasons why we have a very historical notion of, of womanhood in the U.S. That who's not, can't, who can't be a perpetrator of harm, but who can only be a victim, who, exo who exists to be protected by a white guy who, who then protects women by, you know, killing Native Americans and subordinating black populations. Right? So you have to understand gender, gender as, a, as a historical identity, but it's a historical identity that works for the benefit of white people, but also for the benefit of womanhood in general is a historical identity that works for the benefit of white women. Um, and it's always been an open question whether black men were real men or black women were real women because to be a woman would be to be protected and not exploited, but we wanted to exploit black people. So you have to understand that these gender identities have always been like kind of, in the US, have been linked to class and race aspirations. So a lot of feminists, especially I'll say this, a lot of poor ones and a lot of black ones who are feminists first, as opposed to like anti-poverty and, 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 and anti-racism activists, they do that at, to signal a class aspiration, right? They want the version of womanhood where they get, you know, people, their man pays for things. Um, and so that is... So I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm, I'm honest, I'm always suspicious of black women who think of fem themselves feminists first because like, you know, black community is not even drinking lead water. So if you're a feminist first, you are because that's what it's popular to be. Um, and so I'm, I'm just always a little bit suspicious. I'm a little suspicious. And uh, so, so that's one of the virtues of the red pill uh, discourse. It actually says our gender, our gender discourse doesn't actually match reality. And, you know, and I'll, the red pill people mostly talk about dating and mating at that kind of level uh, prior to marriage, but it actually has deeper, uh, deeper problems because if women are the eternal victims as women, especially white women are eternal victims, then what happens when they are emancipated and into the workplace, right? Can they do anything wrong? They can't do anything wrong in the home. Um, they can't do anything wrong at, because they're women because they have to be victims of other people doing anything wrong. So that means we can't hold, hold them accountable for even like, you know, being bad mothers. It's, it's suspiciously hard to hold women accountable for being bad mothers. Although we say that like, you, you, you're responsible for raising all of these, all the children and all this housework gets done and all the childcare gets done by women, but yet we don't hold them responsible for the crappy people, crappy Americans that are raised by women apparently. And the whites like say that like, well, you know, white women do all this work, men, white men don't do any, any work. And you know, some black women say the same thing, although there's dicey. Uh, that's a dicey. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, um, but we don't hold them responsible for the outcomes. And I'm trying to figure out what job do you have where you're responsible for all the labor, but none of the outcomes. Like we don't get to say that like your son is a screw up. We don't get to talk about how Joe Biden might have screwed up Bo. <laughs> like we don't, we don't get to talk about all. We don't, like I said, we don't, we don't talk about the Capitol, the people who attacked the Capitol, Jan Six. We don't talk about their mothers. I think we should. 
if the mothers are the ones raising them. I think we should talk about their parents, but if you want to tell me that they were all raised by mothers and mothers do a disproportionate amount of this child raising, then we need to talk about how the whites are just bad at mothering. But if I say that, um, you know, I'm a misogynist. Well, I'm saying if you're doing most of the work, we need to hold you accountable for the work, for the outcomes. And that's just not, and that's just the home. What happens when women are put forth and, and work in civil society, right? So we look at the industries where there are a congregation of women teaching social service work. We have a hard time holding those professions accountable. We have a hard time holding their professionals accountable for the results. Or it doesn't matter if kids can read as long as the teacher tries. You know, one thing that Abbott Elementary um, gets, you know, the few episodes I've seen, I haven't seen all the episodes, but one thing Abbott Elementary gets is that all of the, te the, 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 the main teachers, it's not just the principal who's incompetent. Quinta Bronson is playing an incompetent teacher. She's playing a try-hard incompetent teacher. She tries hard, but... It's one, there's a, and I actually like the black male teachers are the ones who like see through her and like don't give her the time of day. Well, the, except for the guy who apparently likes her. But there's another black male teacher who's actually serious about teaching. And because like she's a try hard, feel good teacher who's bad at teaching. She's like bad at the job. And they never say that explicitly. They say the principal is bad at the job explicitly. But with the teacher, they don't make her explicitly bad at the job. But if you actually like pay attention, she's a bad teacher like she, she is bad at teaching but she smiles and she tries hard and she means well so we're supposed to pretend that she's not bad at teaching and so that's kind of a comedy that's working at a few different levels but i will say that the eternal victimhood that women have attained for the racial project as a historical racial project of like being someone to be protected <laughs> by whatever violence necessary from mice intruders or negroes um, um, is carried with them when they go into the workforce so that any job that's gendered, and there are some gendered, um, uh, uh, gender-specific jobs, any job that's gendered, that way they have a hard time being accountable on the job. And this is at the upper classes. Now, poor women, once again, poor and working-class women, we have an easier time holding them accountable because they're not really women. Right, so this is how the gender discourse is um, also a class discourse. It's the rich guys' wives we have um, a hard time holding accountable, both as bad mothers, and then when the rich guys' wives become like nonprofit execs, we don't, we can't hold their nonprofit um, uh, accountable, or when they become teachers. We can't hold them accountable. I like, and, this, and like, this is one of the reasons why we have a hard time talking about and actually addressing many education problems in the United States because we can't hold teachers accountable. And we can't hold teachers accountable because it would make a lot of white women cry. They get some sort of way about how we expect them to actually teach kids how to read <laughs> and not just feel good and try hard um, and care. Right? And, or, yeah, so. So the unaccountability... The red pill guys talk about it in dating a lot. You could, but you can move that discourse out into like also like institutional roles. We hold, we don't hold not just um, you know women accountable, unaccountable for, like for how they act in courting, but also as parents and then as professional people, and you know to a certain extent as politicians. Um, it's just it's a generalized accountability problem. 
Uh, so you can say that, well, you know, they do so much work, but if we don't have, a, if, if we don't hold them equally accountable for the work that they do, and the, then like, I don't want to put them in charge of important work. Right? Like, I need to be able to cuss out any any politician I vote for. So if I can't cuss you out and be and not be considered a misogynist, then maybe I won't vote for you. So that is kind of a problem. And we also, and in general, the big thing um, is we need to talk about not just a division of labor in society, but also the division of risk in society and who is expected to take on the risk of society and of protecting the society and sustaining the anti-society, not just the labor. So we could have justice in the division of labor, um, but we also need to start talking about justice in the division of risk and responsibility and accountability. I mean, white women don't even drive <laughs> if they're in the car with their man. And that's, that, that's just bizarre to me, but that's a different um, conversation. I remember I was dating some white girl, she threw me the keys to her car and I was like, why, why are you giving me the keys to your car? Are you drunk? And she wasn't. And I was like, like, but I guess her previous boyfriend's expected to drive her car. I was like, well, it's your car. And like, I assume you can drive. Plus, I'm tired. So um, I don't, I, this doesn't make sense to me. But enough of that, of the, the, vice, the virtues of the red pill discourse with respect to actually talking about some of the dubious accountability measures and kind of the historical underpinning. Now let's talk about some of the vices, the biological determinism. Right. That's the big vice of the red pill discourse. A lot of women are out there. A lot of men are out there talking about the biology. Well, men are this. They're just more protective. They're biologically, they seek this and women seek that. And it's rooted in evolutionary stories. And a lot of that's, a lot of that's both somewhat true and irrelevant. About the things that matter, we're the same. About the things that matter. That means like not necessarily combat sports, but combat sports themselves are, are artificial. Like we created football in a different way. I would like, I think we could create different sports that would be a little bit, that would neutralize some gender advantages. But, um, and those are only peak athletes that there are differences. For example, um, like I'm, I'm over 40 now. So if I go running with someone, gender doesn't really matter. It's going to be about like who's been, who kept themselves fit during their 30s. <laughs> uh, and and so like the differences between men and women are irrelevant in a world that's been remade in a world that's been remade by reason right we've even create, crafted sports by reason there's nothing natural about football or soccer or anything um like that like there's no the, like this, the, the idea that this is all fixed in nature, um, just kind of our, our habits and our institutions that we have now are all um, fixed and, and driven by nature is kind of ridiculous because we created institutions to get away from nature. Right? And you can say like, well, men are just more violent. No, they're not. They might be stronger, like on average. I'll give you that. So like there are biological differences, but if you're telling me that a female drone pilot is somehow, you know, more bloodthirsty or less bloodthirsty than a male drone pilot because of biology, I'm going to call foul. I'm going to call foul. And I think this screws up both the discourse around uh, intimate partner violence, a lot of which, especially among uh, out groups and the poor is bi-directional, but we don't talk about it because, you know, the girl might hit first and the guy hits harder because he's stronger, but that's just people fighting. Well, like where, where you're just 
one person stronger. That's not like one person's meaner and more aggressive. The other person's just stronger, right? So that's going to be a different, or like more prone to violence. And this definitely screws up the way we talk about parenting, especially with this idea that this idea that women are somehow naturally good parents. I think that's just trash or better parents. Like, I mean, there's data that says single fathers do better than single mothers, but by the time you're a single father, there's probably like a huge resource gap. So a lot of that has to do with financial. Another thing, uh, but also a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, you know, if you're trying to teach a kid how to take responsibility for things, we've gendered responsibility onto men. So it's not surprising that like guys are better raising kids into responsible, functional people, right? So this idea that there are natural, there are natural benefits um, in, to, uh, to certain being born certain sexes and identifying certain genders is kind of ridiculous and hurtful because then it confuses a lot of women about why they're bad parents. And it gaslights a lot of men who think, you know, I think I might be a better parent than my wife <laughs> because you probably might be, it might be a dispositional thing. And uh, so I'm, I'm never one of those people who just presumes that women know what they're doing with kids or men that know what they're doing with kids. But I am one that presumes that if a guy knows what he's doing with kids, it's because he actually had to think about it. And he couldn't just assume that he knows what he's doing. He actually like had to study it and think about it. Whereas a lot of women just kind of assume that they're good with kids when they're actually just really bad moms. <laughs> they're just bad, bad parents, but they can't just, but it, it's impossible for them to believe that they don't know how to handle their own kid um, because they think the gender like just because they birthed them, they know how to raise them into a world that like has protected itself from them. Right. So I don't know how like some of these biological determined, um, hardcore women who think that they're women by nature, um, and can raise kids by nature and, and kind of are removed from the world, go about, raising a kid who's going to then go out and be responsible in the world. I don't know how they raise sons. I don't know. Conservative women, of, conservative mothers of sons must have a hard time like raising functional sons <laughs> because they're preparing their boys for a world that they don't know, that they themselves don't know and don't think it's for them. It's weird. I, I, anyway, biological, the, the biological determinant, determinism is the hardest part of the red pill it's the it's the weakest weakest line of attack this idea that men are blank and blank men are tougher and they can take more stress and then women are weaker uh, but more caring that's 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 garbage that's garbage um because we've remade the, that might have been appropriate for a world and particular kinds of struggles that existed in a world that doesn't exist today right because even um, you know, females in nature are, you know, lionesses hunt and then, <laughs> and, you know, females in nature protect their kids violently. And so now we're trying to tell them that that violence has gone away. When, if you mess with a mama bear, they'll protect their cubs with violence. And that's the same with like, you know, people you know, like women have always been violent. They're just not violent in the, in the, in the same sort of, and they've never had to be violent in the same sort of way men are, or males are violent in the animal kingdom, 
but it doesn't mean that they're not violent. It means that they haven't had to be violent in the same way, right? So just to say that like violence is gendered male kind of ignores the reasons why we don't go around like disturbing bear bears nests bear cubs dens and uh, so uh, the violence has always been with us if you think and in a world that's modern and it's been institutionalized violence doesn't come from people actually punching people violence comes from who's most likely to press charges who's most likely to call the cops and sick people on people and i will tell you maybe it's just been my experience men especially the whites are the white women and the white men are not there's not a big difference between which gender is more likely to sick a cop for violence to call out a hit on an area negro who's just kind of walking around right so and i don't think the person who pulls the trigger is any more violent than the person who calls the cops to get someone to have this negro removed Right? Who's more likely to try to get me demonetized or banned? Right? It's not. It's not going to be. Who's more likely to abuse power and like take away my daily bread? It's not going to be. I don't. I'm. I haven't. I'm not one of these people who's going to say it's going to be um, a man. I think women are just as violent. It's just violence is washed through institutions now. Like if you try to demonetize me, you try to. If you try to take away my job, that's violence. If you call the cops on me because I make you feel a certain way, that's a, you're calling violence. So are you more likely to point the gun at me or call the cops to get someone to point the gun at me? Or is one violence, but the other isn't? The other isn't? Like, I'm not, we can't make those kind of distinctions right now. We just don't hold women accountable in the same way. Right, by the way, if you want me to keep doing what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in 515 or fifty dollars um uh and a month and i will keep doing what i'm doing because i think you know I'm, I'm providing a service for the people clarifying the gender discourse um and so the big problem with the red pill is the biological determinism they look at nature and then try to read what they see in nature what they think they see and they don't even see the all of nature they look at certain narratives about nature and then they try to read that into social relations in the way that's fundamentally like irresponsible. And insofar as it is responsible, it might be irrelevant because the things we need in this world are determined by how we reason through this world, like the world that we've made through reason. It's not the world as it's naturally given to us. So, um, yeah, so unless you're going to tell me that women drone pilots are less violent than male drone pilots because of their biology, I'm going to assume that in terms of pressing the button, <laughs> um, uh, women are just as savage as, as men. And like, especially think about in another form of modern savagery is like the HR officer whose job is to fire you. If you think that somehow women are going to be less likely to fire you than men as HR professionals. Like, I don't think so. Are women real estate agents less likely to, uh, are, are less likely to, to try to gouge you than male real estate agents? I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not one of these guys who thinks so. So the idea that 
And in, in all of those places, they'll be less likely to be held accountable. But that's because of the way we have made gender a culture for a, a, different, re for a different variety of reasons. So the differences between men and women in terms of like combat sports like football or like professional, professional tennis, those differences are not relevant in terms of child rearing, in terms of religion, in terms of, of, of professional capacity and like mind jobs. Right? So I do not believe that men or women are more holy. So there shouldn't, um, the leadership in the, in the church should just be on who wants it the more, the most, and who can pray the most or whatever. I don't believe that men or women are more violent in like the parts of the armed forces that don't require actual like physical, like punching someone out. I think men and women are equally competent, which is most of the armed forces, like, <laughs> like doesn't actually t need you. This is why so many of the U.S. armed force people are overweight. It's because it turns out that after basic, you don't really have to be in shape to, to, to do much of the work of the military. Right? And um, I don't think that there's anything about women that makes them less competent at being plumbers <laughs> or roofers or any of these other jobs. Uh, it's just that those jobs are awful. And we've divided, we've divided awful jobs in different ways, right? So red pill is good. And so far as it gets us to talk about accountability uh, and the inability to, and gets us to question why we don't hold women accountable for, in the same way we hold men for the same kinds of things. And it's bad because it kind of sneaks in a biological determinism, which is just not attested. You have to kind of contort yourself. And so if the opposite of that's going to be kind of a, a, a retreat into conventional gender roles, that's going to fail for a few reasons too, because these conventional gender roles, if the red pill is going to try to push you towards conventional gender roles, that's going to fail because conventional gender roles also like presume these bi biological determinism. I want people to be able to figure out how to run their household. They have to actually share power and come up with decisions where each person like comes up, takes responsibility for the decision that's made. Right? I don't, people say, well, you just want to put women in the house to cook and clean. No, I don't want to put women in the house to cook and clean. I want that to be figured out by the people in the house. Maybe the guys are better cook. Black guys cook. Black guys can cook. I am not a great cook, um, but I'm not a worse cook than a lot of white women, right? So what I want is a, an equal responsibility in making hard decisions in, so that the hard decision don't, and the final authority doesn't come to men. I don't want the, like, this idea that women should be submissive is, is garbage or that they're biologically determined to be happy when they're submissive. Yeah, because like, it's great not taking responsibility. <laughs> of that's that, that's and i don't even want to be with someone who who is a child right who and i and i don't and i definitely don't want that person raising my kids right i i don't want this infantilized idea of womanhood raising my kids because i don't trust that person to do the hard job of enculturating my kids i'm looking for a creative problem solver so the most important thing in a wife shouldn't be whether you cook or clean or fill out traditional family roles, it's whether you can problem solve in a way 
in a, in a very aggressive and creative way to like help raise a child who can manage their emotions and intellect in a responsible manner. And you can't do that if you don't know anything about the world, if you can't do that, if you just like are too, if, if your only use is cooking and cleaning, we that stuff we can hire out. <laughs> like any, yeah, that like cooking and cleaning and being good at sex. No, I need someone who's actually, who's a creative problem solver who can do the hard work of, you know, parenting with me because parenting's the job. It's not cooking and cleaning. The household labor is in the parenting. And if you don't have kids in sharing power with other people, because that takes a quality of maturity that a lot of people don't have. Right. So, um, so that's where the red pill gets wrong because they try to like read some versions of evolutionary psychology onto how households should be run in a world that's been remade by reason in trying to actually raise kids who then have to go out and be something meaningful in the world. <laughs> right? So that's been remade by reason. So you need someone who's actually smarter and like not an adult. I mean, not a, not a child. So I think uh, this push to infantilize women um, is that the red pill in some ways fights against also um, kind of goes with like, I, 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 yeah. So the, if you want, a lot of people say that the problem is the modern woman and all these YouTube videos talk about, you know, modern women and modern men are simps and modern, all that, that's, that's, that's a wrong gloss of modernity. What they're talking about is liberals. <laughs> What they're talking about the liberals, the idea that you can choose what you want to. If you want to get married one day, you could choose to. And if you want to get divorced the next day, you can just wake up and choose that. And like the most important thing is your choice and your immediate feelings. That's liberalism. That's not modernity. Modernity has institutions. And I just want to equally distribute the institutional responsibility in all of the relevant institutions, in families, in church, in education. We need to talk about what it means to equally distribute the responsibilities and hold women accountable. All right. Thank you for your time. If you like what I'm doing, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month. And I will see you uh, this Thursday when I talk about something completely different.